0: Okay, welcome to the latest episode of American Faithful, a podcast covering the weekly events of MLS and touching on other American soccer-related happenings. I'm Ian.
1: I'm Nick. I'm Scroggins.
0: And we are missing Jake and Emmett this week. They have other stupid, less important things going on. All right. <laughs> Go ahead and jump into our featured matches of the week. Our first Fair one is Seattle versus Chicago. Match ends up four two. All right. What are some thoughts here, guys?
1: Okay. The first thing that I can't figure out with them with Chicago, how do you not play two at the top? You have um Nico, I can't like uh Nimiana or whatever it's how do you say his name? You know what I'm talking about like and uh Nemanja Nikolic, right? And that his name, the Chicago Striker. And then you have CJ Sapong, who's a proven at least solid steady MLS level striker, right? He's not going to he's not going to like light the league up, but he'll get you, you know, 5 to 10 goals. You know what I mean? Like how do you not start both of them up top? How do you not run a 4-4-2? You know? You have McCarty and you have Schweinsteiger. You can hold down that midfield. You know what I mean? Like, and even if you don't have the wingers to play it, how are you not playing like a a diamond midfield? If you, you know, I I just don't understand. Watching them play, that was the most frustrating thing. You have so much talent. How come you aren't utilizing it better? What do you guys think?
0: I think that... uh... I think one of their strikers, their main striker from last year, I think he's actually out on an injury. I don't know if he's played in any of the matches this season so far. Um, but, you know, again, I, I'm not really sure what's up with Chicago this year. They're just not able to kind of get on top of the play. It does, I don't really feel like they've controlled much of any of the matches that they've, they've um, you know, been in so far this year. It's just kind of an interesting dynamic. I think maybe we're just looking at early form mid-table MLS team right now. Um, You know, sometimes it takes the teams a few weeks to figure out what they're doing for this season. And uh, Chicago, as far as we know, hasn't really done much preseason like match play. Um, so they're just kind of one of those teams that's behind in, that in like, that regard.
1: I don't know, man. Looking at their lineup, uh, Nikolic started up top. They ran a 4-2-3-1, right? Nikolic started up top. He was in the running for Golden Boot two years ago. And uh, they got the, the Polish international Frankowski, or Frankowski, depending on how you pronounce it. And uh, I, I just – I look at this – the squad at least their starting 11 and think man they they've got some talent they've got some pieces i think they're just mismanaged i, I don't think that uh panovic is that great of a manager i feel like he should be producing more you know like i just think of how how much better would the dynamo be if we could have like a you know a jordy mihailovich you know as our number 10 instead of tomas martinez um
2: I think something that we're like highly underrated right now is Seattle's defense actually kind of did step it up. Um, if you look at the the stats on the game, Fire had way had more possession, just a bit more, but they had 25 shots, eight of which were blocked. Um, so the defense did step it up. Yeah, they let two in. Um, but it's a crappy defense that held up against the Chicago attack and give up. Also want to touch on how bad Chicago's defense is.
1: Oh, yes. Uh,
2: every goal is just bad, bad defending. It is elementary defending gone wrong. Um, the first Jordan, the Jordan Morris goal, um, no, neither of the defenders track Jordan Morris. They both get called. They both get caught ball watching. They're sitting watching the ball travel through the air. Jordan Morris makes a good run. Yes, he gets a good first touch. Yes, it's a great finish. But at the end of the day, just poorly defended. Um, and for me, that that kind of stood out. In a battle of two poor defenses, Chicago's just was worse.
0: Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, that <clears throat> That first goal, you get Morris crossing to the back post. And the late run by Rodriguez to just kind of tap home a through-the-six-yard box cross. Uh, Chicago just kind of, like, totally left him, um, you know, wide open on the back post. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. Uh, Also, I I do have to say there was a lot of that similar style goal conceded um, that just kind of – permeated the mls this um you know this match week
1: yeah 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 that's true i mean that is true i i did make a note that a uh, rui diaz goal in the 88th or 89th minute um for seattle like that's just terrible defending you know i'm by no means a, a like soccer expert but but i could watch that and just it made me cringe it was painful to watch that um <laughs> The, the only thing that I missed was um, I really wanted to see another hairy ship just, you know, shot to the moon. The rocket launch? <laughs>
2: <laughs> only thing missing. Only thing missing.
1: That's his new nickname,
0: the Rocket.
1: <laughs> so, one, one thing that uh, I, I watched this game, and, and the most, um, uh, the, the thing that stuck in my mind the most. Was how good Mihailovic looked on the ball. Like I think maybe I just drank the Kool-Aid a bit there, but the dude just got a good touch, and I really enjoyed watching him. Um, his passing I think could be a bit more creative, but I mean when it comes to number tens in the U.S. men's national team, it's Slim Pickens, and I really appreciated him. So
2: um, is he is this his first year with Chicago? Am I wrong?
0: No, I think he was on a squad last year, but I think he missed through injury a good chunk of last season.
2: Okay. yeah,
0: Yeah, Um, he uh, he was definitely one of their bright spots.
2: He took a lot of shots in the game. I noticed him. He did that quite a bit.
0: Yeah, it seems like he's kind of been instructed to do that. Um, He's taken a number of shots in the last couple matches for them as well. I've just conveniently, I think, seen all of Chicago's matches so far. Um, Do you hate yourself? I don't know. (laughs) I think they just come on a little bit earlier because they're like, you know, not even really the Chicago Fire. They're the like Bridgeview or whatever township (laughs) their stadiums. They're wrapped there in their, um, you know, state penitentiary contract or whatever it is. (laughs) But uh, backing up to Jordan Morris's play in this match, I mean, that second goal in this game where Morris kind of gets the through ball, and, I mean, he uses his speed as we, you know, as Seattle very obviously missed at the end of last season. I mean, they were playing well, but they were missing that extra dynamic. So he just kind of latches on to that ball, and he's falling backwards like a like a you know NBA last second three pointer and chips um, the Chicago keeper ousted and i mean dude it was just a great run splits the defense great ball from lodiero who very quietly has looked really good So far this season, Lodiero is not getting any of the plaudits because he's not really scoring the goals, but he's definitely kind of, instead of being like the more forward attacking midfielder, he's definitely more involved in the buildup play for Seattle. And I think that's going to be really important for them this season. I think he's kind of been overlooked, myself included, uh, overlooked in the last two games for Seattle.
2: Before we move on to the next game, as far as Jordan Morris is concerned, we're three games in. He's got three goals, one assist. Are we seeing a resurgence of Jordan Morris? Is he going to be our go-to striker for the national team? Is he going to be the, the up top for the uh, the Gold Cup?
1: Uh, I know it's resurgence know is kind of tough it, because
2: he's a young player. Yeah. But... He did have – he was very hyped very early. He refused the move to Germany. That kind of took some hype off of him. But here we are, three games in, two quality goals, one I stand by being trash, and an assist, which was a good assist. Um, but he's got the stats this year so far to prove that he can produce.
1: I know Berhalter likes to have his wingers – you know, in his you know four two three one, he likes to have his wingers cut in and uses fullbacks pushing up for width. And so, I really think Morris is tailor made to start on that left wing in burhalter's system, Because he can just cut in. He doesn't have to use his left foot for anything except for standing, which is great for him. And he can just cut in on that right foot and rip shots. You know, and uh, I I look forward to seeing him play. The only thing that we have to look out for if, if that happens is man, I just hope he never has to cross the ball from that left side, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that does leave a gaping hole. Who's our nine, you know, but we can, we can get to that later. Ian, what do you think?
0: Um, you know, I got to say the same thing. I think Morris definitely needs to be in consideration for the starting eleven. But I definitely would say he needs to play one of kind of those inside attacking mid positions that Burr Halter likes to use for the men's national team. Um, I kind of feel like Morris might be like stealing the energy space jam style from somebody on the other team each match. Because, as you mentioned before, that Rui Diaz goal, um, he actually sneaks past Schweinsteiger. So I'm pretty sure that Morris is just stealing you know the the best players' <laughs> energy from the other team. Damn.
1: You heard it. Jordan Morris is a monstar. Monster. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to see him steal the energy of Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, that'll be good.
0: <laughs>
1: oh man.
0: All right, our next match is Houston versus Vancouver, which ends in favor of our beloved Houston Dynamo, three two um over the Wiley, very uh vintagely clad Vancouver team. I really like those jerseys, by the way. So that one is kinda it's kind of a crazy game. I mean, I you guys, you know, what do you I think want, about one? I wanna start off by
2: formally apologizing to Memo Rodriguez. Oh uh, yeah I last week i said he would only score one goal this week he has proved me wrong not once but twice with especially a clutch goal yes both goals very similar but it's good to see a midfielder making those trailing runs it's not just monota sitting in the box by himself waiting for a cross you have a trailing midfielder coming in being able to finish, uh, he missed one very early in the game. He had an open look, um, but he made up for it. So props to Memo. We'll see how it goes. I'm not sold yet, but he did uh, He did convince me a little bit that he's worth being on the starting 11.
1: Nick, Nick, I'm conducting the Memo hype train, man. There's room. I got a warm seat for you. Just join me. It's comfortable, dude. It's really <laughs> nice on the hype train. You know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I may have to buy a t-
2: ticket. Uh, Let me look at my finances, and I'll I'll get back to you.
0: (laughs) I gotta say, Memo does look really good. Um, He just like looks so lively with his movement, and his his positioning is really solid. And he really seems to be building up this chemistry with Elise Mm -hmm. from some wing to wing crossing, passing in the box, and in the build up. So. That is definitely something that helps him in your uh, predicted candidacy of of giving him, you know, an award for young player of the year so far. OK, yeah. but let's see. Let's see if he can continue producing over the long haul. I mean, we know how this league is and, you know, Mamo could easily fall away in next week, you know, <laughs>
1: So we're going to have a lot of squad rotation. We know that. And I think Memo's going to get a lot of looks. And I really think he's going to supplant Kyoto. Kyoto just doesn't seem like he has his head in it right now. Um, You know who else I've been impressed with uh, is Lundquist, uh, which is good because of the Instagram post that came out the day that we recorded this. Beasley had surgery. So I don't know what the timetable is. I just... You know, Ian just told me about it right before we started recording. Uh, four to
0: six weeks. Four to
1: six, four to six weeks. Well, uh, you know Lundqvist is. Uh, I I think he's the best crosser on the team. You know, I think he he's got a really beautiful cross in with the left foot, and I know he gave up a penalty this match, but I don't blame him because Glenn Davis and Eddie Robinson were calling the game and they were bragging on him, and then like not three minutes later. He gave up the penalty. They cursed him. It was the announcer's curse. That's not his fault. You know, you can't... It is
2: his his second game giving up a PK, though. That's two out of three games in which he's given up a PK. But
0: But to be fair... Soft PK call, though.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: And, I mean, there might be some home team bias, but I really feel like it was some expert play-acting by Montero, he just, like, kind of takes advantage of the fact that the that Lundqvist's leg is semi-raised and throws himself over it. Like, there's no forward movement from Lundqvist's leg, but I think that, you know, the overseas time that Montero had taught him how to dive expertly because it was seamless. I mean, if you're looking at it from the ref's perspective on the replay it looks like he is fouled.
1: Yeah. I mean, but Montero is a dirt bag. I can't stand that guy. He's the worst.
2: I do want to give Vancouver credit in one place, and that's the second goal. Um, I believe the midfielder's name was Lass for Vancouver. Um, made a run along, uh, along the sideline, probably from midfield, I believe, cut in and put a curler past... Uh, our goalkeeper, Joe Willis, that's a great goal. I'm, I'm a fan of those cut in, curl past the keeper. So uh, credit there. Uh, no credit to our defense who could not stop the cut in and curl past the keeper, especially De La Garza. I know he's just coming back from an injury, but still could have done a little better to cut off the angle there, Yeah, in my opinion.
0: And a right. giveaway that led to that one. And at that point, that that brought the game to two two. Um, yes, it And did. let's, I guess, back up a little bit and talk about the Elise penalty. What did y'all think there? That one, that one, uh, big VAR Ew. VAR review.
1: Uh, look, it was a great it... call. It was a great call. Nothing wrong with it. Um, <laughs> Elise earned that penalty through effort, hard work, and he he reaped the reward. By putting it in the back of the net. I won't hear anything else.
2: I, I'm going to say something else. Look, the defender gets the ball. Uh, he touches it. There is contact. No, no, look,
0: just because he touches if, the ball. If he did, it's very slight. But, like, when I was watching it, I, like, hit pause, and I saw daylight. And if I'm an NFL instant replay official there i'm like there's day clear daylight peeking through the cleat and the ball i mean he might have gotten a little tiny bit of contact with the spikes but i mean he he goes in my opinion almost through elise not directly but he completely cuts off his back leg path to making a step so i mean when you put all the pieces together, I think you'd get, like, two pieces say it's a PK and one piece saying, you know, he nicked the ball and, you know, no call.
2: Also, yeah, yeah. I think the call on the field was a PK. And the VAR review, I wouldn't say it would have been enough to dispute it. Like, you go with the call on the field, so I respect that. Um, And also... For our weekly segment, defend our attendance. Um, <laughs> it's spring break, so people are in other places, and also George Strait was at the rodeo. I've heard he's a popular fellow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's this week for defend our attendance.
1: And hey, we just—they uh, just announced that they're doing uh, like special pricing weekends. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but yeah, seven hundred dream Huh.
2: Yeah, they're called 713 nights.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully that'll help. I mean, look, we haven't put a good product out there in a while. So uh, you got to reduce the price. <laughs> hey,
2: we are off to a really good start, but I will say I was talking to a friend. Uh, he said we're off to a really good start. I had to tell him our schedule probably been the easiest schedule out of anyone in the league. We started off with three home games against three. Barely, I wouldn't say any of these teams are playoff contender, champ, playoff contenders. So,
1: RSL made the playoffs last year. All I'm saying, but
2: um, yeah, but not this year. I okay, I so would be shocked.
1: I'm the I'm the conductor of Memo's hype train. I'm also the conductor of Kevin Garcia's hate train. And you know who else is on that? Apparently, I Andy Robinson.
2: It. Yeah, and I bought a ticket to that. Don't worry, I have a ticket for that one. <laughs>
1: That one's packing up. That one's filling out quick. So, but uh, it, it completely irrelevant to the actual game. But it just warmed my heart to hear him just trash Kevin Garcia. So, all right. So uh,
0: to finish that match off, um, pretty late on in the game, Elise latches onto the ball for the Dynamo, swings it across. Back post to Mamo for goal number three. That's two goals for Mamo in this game. And um what I guess did he get did Elise get the assist for the first goal too? I believe yes. I he did. Yes, yes. Dang. So that's that's two goals for Mamo, two assists for Elise, and a goal because he took the PK
2: uh-huh. as well. That's why Elise got player of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, he definitely deserved it. He was definitely creating. All right, so let's go on to our next uh, featured match this week, which was a doozy, DC versus Real Salt Lake. That one ends up 5-0 in favor of DC. This is a little bit crazy. I'm sure if you watch any form of sports-related TV shows, you've already seen that Rooney... Bags a hat trick in this one. Um, It is a mess. There's lots to talk about here. Thoughts?
2: I want to say to our four to eight viewers, I mean listeners, go watch the highlights to this game. It has everything. It has an old man doing new tricks. It has a guy getting kicked in the face. It has red cards. It has PKs. It has everything. Take some time. Watch the highlights.
1: I got to watch the second half live and, um, you know, watched Rooney get a hat trick in just 65 minutes, which is kind of ridiculous. And uh, the first thing I thought of was, was, is our league that bad? Because when Rooney left the Premier League, everyone was talking about him just being done. But I tend to think that maybe Everton just wasn't playing him right. You know? And uh, that's kind of what I feel like. I feel like Rooney's actually better than what any common Englishman would have you think at this point in his career. Um, and, and credit to Ben Olsen, just putting together a good squad, knowing what pieces to put where. And man, like, what was it 2013 or 2014? Worst record in league history to here we are. Man, they look good, they look like legit contenders.
0: Yeah, uh, I got a second you on this whole Rooney situation. Um, You know, I mean, a lot of people talked about it over the last few years, trying to get down to the bottom. Like, what is wrong with this player? And, you know, he was kind of playing a weird midfield 10 role with Man U. And then they finally got tired of. his old butt running around the field and they ship him back home to his boyhood club, Nick's uh, arch rival Everton. And, um, you know, he, he had a couple good showings for Everton in that season, but you know, you'll notice where he's deployed on the field in those matches. And he is further up, like almost playing a, a nine and a half. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what's happening here, but um, he's kind of doing a little tango with, um, what's his name, Acosta, oh, yeah. Luciano Acosta. So they're kind of dancing off of each other, and it's like giving them both space up top, and which is why I think they're able to produce so many goals.
2: Before we hop on that Rooney hype train, I'm going to get us back to reality here. Uh, first of all, <laughs> The the first one was a spot kick. If you don't make a spot kick, you don't deserve to be a professional. Second of all, the other two goals were the biggest give-me goals I've ever seen in my entire life. One was a poor back pass by RSL. The third one was the man had to slide for it because that's how slow he is. Anybody else with normal speed, normal pace, just runs up to that and taps that in the man at the slide. I'm not Rooney hating. I'm just saying let's not let RSL's poor defense make a god out of Wayne Rooney. Let's see how it goes in the next few weeks, and then we can start talking about how Wade Rooney is 21 again. Sorry, he's not impressing me.
1: I, I just have to disagree dude I and you got to be in the right place but yeah I'll give it to you he doesn't have legs anymore but that's where what Ian was saying really comes into play him you know dancing the dance with Acosta like that just he doesn't have to run he can link more and he's got speed you know coming up the right wing with Paul Ariola you know that guy's got the work rate and he's he's got the 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 pace to really make an impact so that that means Wayne, you know, his heat map is probably, like, three square feet, maybe. But I mean, Right. right.
2: <laughs> so I think we should be seeing the praises of Acosta and Ariola, and just name him what he is. Just an old British Wondolowski on the field, you know So <laughs> <laughs> i
1: I would agree with you, but we saw DC before R- Rooney came. They had Acosta and they had Areola. And they weren't this squad. I think he's...
2: You're right. You're right. You're
0: right. You're right. But, I mean, hey, think about that one highlight that everybody saw of Rooney last year, which was the only time he's run in the last four years. So, (laughs) look, I mean, yes, he doesn't have any legs, but we know he's got the heart and that he's going to be in the right position. He's still, you know, a talented technical player. And he knows how to make those runs, and I think he's really, he's really gonna be what kind of makes DC tick this season. Um, mm-hmm. And I really think he's probably gonna play a lot of the matches because, you know, as we're talking about somebody get him a wheelchair, he's not going anywhere on the field.
1: Yeah. So a couple, couple highlights. I just want to hit. You have the. WWF style foul on Paul Areola in the 30th minute. That was Rooney's PK there. Um, I think he 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 tried to break his leg. I mean, he did everything short of putting him in a stone cold stunner, you know, and just like cracking <laughs> him in half. Um,
2: you call it a super kick. He he super kicked him. Yeah, <laughs> gave him the he, uh, sweet the the Sean Michaels sweet shit music.
0: It was like it was like one of those classic when the guy's on the ground on the mat in uh, the WWE and somebody like over dramatically stomps next to him. (laughs) Yes. What it looked
1: like. (laughs) And then keeping in with the wrestling theme, we got the, you know, the stoppage time man boot to the face. That was, I mean, straight red, right? I mean, you can't question that call. I don't know, man. I really
0: and we'll we'll touch on this later because, you know, of our later segments here with VAR being such a controversial thing, but I really do think that it, like every angle, every speed that you watch that replay, he has no idea that Acosta's there. And Acosta is very short. Definitely feel some sympathy for Severino there. I really don't feel like he did that. Uh, intentionally. I think he's just trying to play the ball. Um, And of course, RSL makes it worse for themselves as their center back Silva goes on to pick up his second yellow and RSL finishes this match with nine players and it's only 3-0 at that point. Um, And then, of course, DC just goes and and adds gratuitous salt to the wound there, tacking (laughs) on The other two goals.
2: <laughs> look Ian, I have to I have to interject. Sympathy? Are you kidding me? The guy kicked another man in the face. I've played look, I haven't played the amount of soccer that these guys have or at the level that these guys have. But I know when I stick my foot out to kick a dude in the face, I a hundred percent knew what I was doing every step of the way. Like okay. the amount of perfect contact he makes.
0: Nick, I don't know, man. This this is some uh like serial killer type <laughs> stuff that you're going on about, I'll, man. I'll tell you,
2: are you telling me you've never once been playing soccer? That guy gives you that foul, that little push, you know, and you fall over and you're like, Ooh, next time I'm going to come late into the challenge. You know you're fouling that guy. You know what you're doing.
0: No, no. But see, what what a what a uh Experienced player does here, Nick, is you go down, you get the foul call, you play it up just a little bit, not a lot. You don't need to roll eight times over like you're playing in South America um, or in Spain. (laughs) And then you get up and you make sure that that player is in the wall. And then you kick that ball at him as hard as you can. And if it happens to miss and go in the goal, then you make sure to make eye contact as you celebrate. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, I like the way that we went here Just kick him in the face yeah. <laughs> And then you, get to, then you get to sit out the next game It's fun
0: Right, well, uh, there was a, one other very special moment in this match Rooney goes ahead and gets an assist on top of his night, Where he kicks in that cross And it just gets so, so sweetly met By uh, DC's winger Rodriguez Who just volleys it right into the side netting from the top of the box i mean it was beautiful um and that was the 4-0 goal for dc and we'll probably talk about that more later
1: yeah that's i mean spoilers that's my goal of the week man Uh, that was the best one i've seen whoa spoilers (laughs) right so as nick said this is
0: probably the match uh if you missed any Okay, so our next game was New York City FC versus LA FC. This one ends up 2-2. Pretty contentious and hard-fought match. Uh,
3: yeah, Ian, this was a very hard-fought
0: match. This is Jake, by the way,
3: finally arriving. Um, I would really point out the first goal from Matrita. Matrita, I'm sorry. I, I'm not totally clear on his the pronunciation of his name. Uh, but this was, I, I think... A classic winger goal. Paces a guy down the sideline, cuts it back in front of two men before beating the keeper. This
0: was a, a very impressive goal from from a winger. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree there for sure. He definitely blasts down uh, that left side of the pitch and just leaves LAFC's defenders completely helpless.
1: I, I do like Oh um, Dominic uh, Torrent, who I'm still not sold on as a good coach, seemed to have taken a note from Dave Sarikin's playbook and went with the classic 4-1, 4-1 formation. And uh, the thing that stuck out to me from this match um, was nothing at all. I mean, like, to me, like, it it was just really (laughs) well played. Um, It was two pretty good teams. But, I mean, that... I'm really happy that James Sands got the start at D-Mid. He's a young, upcoming guy that, that I'm keeping my eye on. Um, but, yeah, other than that, man, it it was a good match, yeah. But there's just not a whole lot of note.
0: It, yeah. I mean, I, I think a, a big th- kind of event in this match is, again, seeing Vela, you know, rise to the top in... MLS play, man. I mean, he goes ahead and gets another goal in here, which is a very technical and physical goal at the same time. Shields off that defender. And then just like with the deftest of touches, slips it past Sean Johnson coming out of the goal um, to level the match after Matriza's, you know, goal putting NYC up. So, I mean, it was a lot of back and forth play, but I I can kind of sympathize with you there, Scruggins, and say that, you know, maybe there wasn't a ton of note from the match, but sometimes you get that in MLS. There's not like anything that stands out overwhelmingly, but somehow it's a 2-2 draw still. You get goals in there, but you're just not uh, overly impressed.
2: LA should have won this game. That was the only thing of note to me is that LA should have walked away with three points. New York gave a lot of opportunities, um, and that PK, um, just <laughs> sloppy, so yeah. sloppy. I mean, I don't know if he was going for a fifty-six-yard field goal, um, what he was going for, but the way he kicked out, it was awful, terrible timing, um, just bad defense. Yeah,
0: I can, I can. Agree with you there. I think LAFC should have taken home three points for that one. Um, But, I mean, again, you know, I hate to say Vela was just so good in this match, even though no one was really able to kind of, you know, bring it home. Um, I may or may not have Vela down for the MVP this season. But he's also putting up the numbers and having the showing um, to prove that. And, I mean, dude, how cool was that PK? I mean, he was so calm. He literally rolled the ball down the middle. And yeah. Sean Johnson is not a short keeper. Easily could have hit him in the foot or something there.
1: Yeah. the
0: He's
2: playing with confidence.
1: Yeah. Every- the the only other thing that I would note from this match is that on the bench for NYCFC is uh, uh, Sean – I think his first name is Sean uh, – Sebastian. There it is, Sebastian um, Ibi- Ibi- Ibiaga, right? He was uh, actually Dynamo um, – what do we call our farm kids? Uh, you mean the ones we put out to pasture? No. No. <laughs> No, homegrown, homegrown. There it is. Yeah, he's one of our homegrown kids. That was the word. I don't know how I got to farm from homegrown. I'm an idiot. That's how. Um, he's one of our homegrown guys that um, we had him on the squad a couple years ago, uh, sold him or sent him out to um, to the USL. I think he played for San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio FC was USL Defender of the Year. And then New York City picks him up. and. When I see a guy like Kevin Garcia starting for us and then knowing that this guy was in our system, it's frustrating for me. Like how – you know, he he was starting at some points during last year for New York City, and that was when they were playing pretty well. I Anyway, it just bothers me. But we can move on to the next match now. What do we got up next, Ian?
0: Uh, we have Atlanta versus Philly, which is actually our featured match of the week. Featured
1: match of the week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This one's going to end up 1-1. It was our featured match of the week, not necessarily because it was going to be the most entertaining match, Um, but when you think about the relevance with um, Atlanta's season so far, all the... Kind of rumors and talk about the manager situation and the play style and the players themselves. Um, It kind of made it for much (laughs) (laughs) much watch. Made it for must watch TV this week, uh, just because of all those things surrounding the play on the field, Um, and then Philly themselves are kind of one of these teams that, uh, they have a coach who's on the hot seat as well. Um, <clears throat> and they're trying to do something that, you know, not a lot of the other teams are doing. They're trying to get their farm system kind of set up and, uh, funnel in homegrown players and things like that. And they've made some moves recently. So, um, you know, it was, it was definitely a must watch match.
1: Yeah, this match, uh, I whiffed on my call. I really thought Atlanta would turn it around and pick it up. I think I said 3-0 Atlanta. Um, boy, was I wrong with that one. I mean, it's just... Ouch. Bit, it's not pretty to watch. Um, one thing that that I wanted to ask you guys about, this 40th minute, uh, Fafá Pico, you know, he kind of rounds Guzan... And he is kind of falling away from the ball. He's kind of on the right side, shoots at the goal, but he's falling away, doesn't give a, get a lot of power on it. And uh, it's kind of cleared off the line, not quite exactly on the line by Atlanta defender. I can't remember which defender it was. Um, but I I feel like that was, like, one of the most, like, weak shots I've ever seen in my life. I. Yeah, Am he I got a little too to over. think he should have gotten behind that a bit more? No, I think he
2: overthought it. Uh, I believe he was convinced it was an open goal at that point. Mm. Just kind of tried to... A lot of times, strikers overthink that and sail it over the bar. I've seen it happen or sail it wide. But uh, I think he just overthought it and ended up under putting not enough power on it, just trying to pass into the net a little too too slowly.
1: And then um, in the 47th minute, uh, Aronson gets his debut goal. And this uh, kicks off a week with two uh, MLS debut goals for, for young guys. Man, is that another- the one
2: where Guzon had a stroke on the line?
1: Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Guzon? <laughs> like uh- Yeah, I mean,
0: it takes a little bit of a deflection after uh, Aronson kind of pushes through the defense and kind of tries to put it. I I mean, I guess it looks like he's originally aiming for that back post away from where Gazan's moving. Takes a little bit of a deflection off the defender. And then Guzan again looks like he's trying to sit down on a toilet that's not there. So <laughs>
2: it's still no excuse, man. I, I
3: I don't know. That deflection was rough. Guzan's moving to the right spot in the goal. It takes the deflection, and when he's like in mid-step, mid-motion over there, he doesn't have time to stop and get it back. That looked like an unfortunate goal. I'm not a proponent of Guzan being our our. Or starting keeper for the United States or anything, but I don't. I don't think there's a whole lot to to say that he he made a terrible mistake there. He did look like he had a stroke, 100%. But I I,
1: think
3: I wanna, that's, that's unfortunate.
2: I want to interject with a fun fact here, courtesy of Reddit. I am gonna Ooh. give credit to this guy. Uh, his <laughs> name is that dude 2495. I don't know who you are, but check out these stats. The last time Frank DeBoer won a league match as a manager, Barack Obama had three months left in his presidency, the Cleveland Cavaliers were NBA champions, and the Cubs still hadn't won a World Series. That's 872 days, three different teams, eight games, 13 goals conceded, and two goals scored.
1: Man, that's terrifying that is terrifying well so I why just take this
0: moment to say told you
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh but, the other other notes yeah. here they were atlanta was bailed out by ezekiel barco pulled him level like the 70th minute um guzan had a nice save right at the end of the 88th minute um the one thing that I, I loved about this game was watching Andre Blake play. I'm I usually watch more outfield players, but watching Phillies keeper Andre Blake is is just a joy. I I usually don't get captivated watching a keeper, but man, he's good. He's just really good, and I'm bummed that he chose to play for Jamaica.
0: Yeah, I mean he is. Um... He is the only thing that keeps Philly relevant, in my mind, like keeps them in matches week to week. Um,
1: oh, hello, hello, Bedoya?
0: I is mean. invisible. <laughs> invisible on that team. I forgot he was on that team until Barco scored because Bedoya didn't look behind him at the wide-open space, so. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And then I just saw the replay where he's like, Man, how come nobody picked up that guy? And it's like, dude, he was right behind you, bro. (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, so that match kind of, I guess, just winds up 1-1. Before we
2: close it out, I want to ask the question.
1: Should DeBoers go? That's ridiculous. It's been three (laughs) matches, dude. Calm down. Yeah, I, mean, I think he gets
3: more than three matches.
1: I'm, I'm just asking, don't shoot the best.
3: Yeah, I, 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 think, I think with the expectations uh, that he had coming in, I think that it's a fair question to ask. But I think you got to give the guy half a season. If he doesn't get it together in half a season, I could see a midseason sacking. and And in that moment, Atlanta United truly will become the
0: Chelsea of MLS. Look, I'm just going to give him... I'm going to say they're 10 to 15 matches. I think they're going to give him 10 to 15 matches in the league. No extemporaneous play. I think they're going to give him 10 to 15. And then I think if there's not like a significant improvement that he's been claiming that he needs all this time to develop his formation and his style of play and build the cohesion... Which, in fairness, you know, a little bit of player turnover. He probably doesn't know all of his players. I mean, Barco came on and totally proved him wrong um, for the first two weeks. So, I mean, I think that there's some stuff that he's going to have to look at. But 10 to 15 games. And I think if you're Atlanta, you do not want to risk missing out on the playoffs this year after winning the championship and being so dominant last year. I think that they'd boot him and bring somebody in to kind of damage, control, consolidate, get some points on the board kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if Rainieri can get, what was it, 13 matches at Fulham, I mean, surely we can be a little bit more patient with DeBoer, right?
0: I mean... Uh, I don't know,
1: man. Rainieri has a little
0: bit of... Uh little bit of recent pedigree <laughs> so you know Debore, as nick pointed out has not done anything for a long time so almost three years. anyways almost let's years. let's move on from this one because <laughs> we could talk about it all night um toronto versus new england this one is going to end three two um it is a Pretty wild and crazy match. Uh, Very typical MLS in my opinion. What were some of y'all's takeaways?
2: I want to go right away. Start with the first PK. I've never seen a defender so confidently foul somebody in the box. (laughs) He went in confident. Oh, he got up and looked at the ref like he had done nothing wrong. (laughs) Like, the and, ref had just called him a liar on the stand. <laughs> no, you destroyed that man's legs. So, that was a foul. 100% so, a foul. Chris Mavinga, 100% clap to you for trying to make it look like you did nothing wrong. You went in with authority. But my man, that's
0: a foul. Dude, that I was some uh, only child looking at single parent.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I did nothing. What? What? I didn't do it. I'm your angel. And I mean, not only did he go in confidently, I've never seen a tackle with that confidence and gusto where the defender had less of a chance to get the ball. I think he went 270 (laughs) degrees around the guy's body to try and make contact with the ball. Just went straight through his legs,
2: dude. And before he's even all the way up, he's pointing at the ball as to say, "I'm sure I touched that," when he in fact did not make like, contact.
3: On no planet was he ever gonna get that ball going into the tackle in that direction. That was insane.
1: I mean that that tackle looked like a leg sweep animation from like <laughs> Mortal Combat. You know what I mean? Like, good God, yes. he finished him. He finished him. <laughs> but. One thing I was impressed with was was Teal Bunbury. You know, like I think he's been looking good, uh, and I think he's borderline underrated as an MLSer. What do you guys think? In I mean, he definitely blew up
0: originally, right? He was he yeah, was he got a lot of hype in the beginning, early on. Yeah, yeah, and he kind of fell yeah. away, and I guess he's rediscovering some form.
2: Um, I also need you guys to go back and look at the highlights of Toronto's first goal, Akinola's. Um, oh, great yeah. individual piece sure. of skill, but I need you to look at New England and then remember when you picked up FIFA for the first time and you put it on rookie <laughs> because that's what it looked like. That's five it. defenders just standing – it could be less. Maybe I'm exaggerating. No, no, no. Much,
1: it was but it's six.
2: somewhere to five to six defenders sitting in the box – completely still as this man weaves in and out. Again, turns, shoots around the keeper. But never, never
3: letting go of the turbo button. Ever.
2: No. But the no. defenders were all just maybe he's so good that they were just mesmerized and amazed. But uh MLS I defending think it's guys yeah. it's got me, you know it's got me going. That was so bad.
0: Yeah. It was uh I had to count I had to count on the replay. It was six different defenders try to make the stop on him. And when I say try to make the stop on him, they were just like caught in the sheer semi above mediocre glory of his (laughs) dribbling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe he was just too fast and they like weren't expecting someone to run at them that quickly or something. But they were just completely mesmerized by him he wasn't doing any step overs there was no real skill stick going on there he was just turbo buttoning and then put it in the back of the net
1: yeah so he's a 19 year old american international so i mean maybe there's some potential there for him to develop if he keeps getting minutes we know greg vanney's not afraid to play young guys and uh you know, and for better or for worse, he can learn from Josie Altidore, you know, the ins and outs of playing up top. So we'll see.
2: also want to say to any people out there listening, if you're just getting started on the MLS, but you're one of those Euro snobs that says, hey, they're not good enough. I don't want to watch it. Do not watch this game because <laughs> the second goal for New England <laughs> <laughs> is the laziest shot. I had to write that down. I think, It's yeah. the laziest shot I've ever seen in my entire life. Scroggen the two just standing completely still and just kind of taps it through the box. I, I think two people, miss <laughs> two people
3: missed stopping it. Two people missed stopping it. The keeper's nowhere nearby. I'm going to contest Scroggins' earlier slowest shot of all time with this one. The two slowest shots of all time <laughs> happened on the same continent and the same weekend.
2: And we've seen <laughs> them both. It's so lazy. I don't know what I couldn't put it together. And Uh, then, of course, Josie looks like a hero in a game where he never should have had to be the hero in the first place.
3: Okay, let's be real, though. Our 2015 national team really showed well in that moment because Bradley's ball over the top was a perfect ball. And Josie Altador directed, uh, I guess, was it Akinola, his forward partner? Right, directed uh, the combining run, sending him to the near post while Josie peeled off to the far post to confuse the defense for a simple
0: tap in. Uh, but it, both players did really well.
1: Yeah, was
0: did he confuse the defenders, or was there not one there?
3: There was <laughs> <laughs> there was one defender, so they made the most of their one v two or their two v
1: one. I I think that that goal, you know, the the winner for uh, Altador was. Definitely set up by Bradley's ball over the top. That was oh, a yeah. nice picked out. And then, you know, Justin Morrow making the run down that left wing. I mean, that's that's his bread and butter. I have, yeah. Is Friedel preparing his team at all? You know, <laughs> it just, I'm not seeing any evidence there. And if any of our friends out there that are listening to us are New England Revolution fans, I'm so sorry that your team's owner wants to spend more time getting Orlando squeezers than actually paying attention to the squad. (laughs) Good night. (laughs)
0: Allegedly. 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 (laughs) Allegedly. All right, so again, that one ends up 3-2 in favor of Toronto with Josie Altador running to the fans to celebrate the, like, one thing he did in that game. But Uh, it
3: did result in a goal. Uh, And we also have not talked about what I think is just the most preposterous uh, correct no-call on an offsides I've ever seen with, uh, was it Toronto's second goal? (laughs) Right, the ball rolling through. Uh, The the Toronto left back has got to be 10 yards offside, uh, but on a deflection that New England had no business even trying to touch that ball. Uh, It goes through to a guy in like a 10 yards offside position uh, for a simple tap in. That was it was bizarre watching it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Definitely a bizarre moment. Yeah. I, I would definitely say I'm going to refer to this this moment later. It might spark some serious debate. Um, but, yeah, that is definitely a moment that I think everyone who watches the beautiful game can go watch this ugly moment where we don't understand the rules of our own game, nor does <laughs> FIFA. And I think, you know, that is something that's going to have to be revisited very soon by the global governing officiating body or whoever looks at these things, because I I feel like there was uh, a lot of gray area interpretation that went on.
1: Yeah, a couple things that I want to point out. One, Terrence Boyd is on Toronto. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but Terrence Boyd plays for Toronto. Um, Second, New England's defense is really bad, but they have they have Andrew Farrell sitting on the bench. True. The, the guy used to get shouts for the national team. He's not a bad defender. Like how – I don't know. I, I'm really questioning whether or not Friedel can see. I mean, is he blind? Is he really blind?
0: I mean, it's possible. He had lots of soccer balls kicked at him for many years.
1: He is bald. (laughs) And uh, Jaleel Anababa, anybody remember him? Oh, Jaleel! Of Dynamo
0: fame. The bane of the Houston Dynamo. Was it last season or the season before his existence? I feel like it was four years ago, man. Yeah, it was a while ago. Anyways, let's get uh, off of this game. We'll come back to it when we get to one of our later segments. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and recap the rest of the games of the week.
2: Um, just real quick, first off, Red Bulls go ahead and take on the Earthquakes. Earthquakes get an early lead, uh, goal by Espinoza, but really really all Red Bulls after that. Alex Muyol, who came on uh, as an injury replacement in the first half, gets a brace in the second half. Um, looking really good, first brace, proven he should be in the starting 11. Um, Red Bull get two more goals in the game. Game ends. 4-1, um, Quakes just did not look good, wasted a lot of chances. And in the end, Red Bulls made him pay. Once again, 4-1 Red Bulls.
0: And also, Wondolowski did not score.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, keeping track of that record break, Woo-hoo! Wondolowski, this just in, still terrible. <laughs> All right, uh, next game after that, we have Montreal Impact uh, taking on Orlando City. And, man, if this game doesn't prove what bad state Orlando's in, I don't know what else will. Um, most – so the game ends 3-1 for Montreal, but nothing tells us how Orlando's season's going but the second goal. Um, where a bad back pass by Shane O'Neill finds a Rudy of Montreal, who then gets destroyed by the goalkeeper – um, only for the ball to fall to a wide-open Piotti who shoots it into an open net. Um, it's it Just a mess in the back for Orlando kind of shows that they're just not good and they have a lot of work to do. Piotti shows that he's, again, one of the most underrated players in the league, uh, getting himself a brace again. Um, again, game ends 3-1. Montreal look good. All right. Next up it is L.A. Galaxy versus the Minnesota United. Galaxy, missing Zlatan again due to injury. I'm not going to say I called that in our first ever pod, but I did. Um, Galaxy score early on a PK, um, being brought down by Ozzy Alonso, who it is weird not seeing in a green jersey. So many years seeing him be the enforcer for Seattle. Kind of feel like this is a step down, but uh, also good to see uh, Sebastian Legette, who scored the game winner for L.A. Good to see him back and on the score sheet. So L.A. ends up taking the game 3-2 on goals by Pontius Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos. Um, Minnesota, another L. Um, L.A. win without Zlatan.
1: Wrap up the rest of the games of the week. Uh, Columbus took down FC Frisco and uh, won nothing. Zardes didn't score, Um, but uh, Ricardo Clark got on the field for Columbus, and that always warms my heart. Uh, Way to go, Rico. Um, uh, Cincinnati, Portland ended 3-0 in favor of Cincinnati. Uh, I think this officially means that Portland is a dumpster fire, and if you paid attention closely, Cincinnati – was playing the good old 4-2-2-2 two, two, two empty bucket, um, which is always fun to see. Makes me think of Bob Bradley every time I see that formation. And, and then um, the mountain place, Colorado versus the land of bad barbecue, sporting Kansas City, ended in a draw, where Colorado once again gets a red card on a defender. So um, they're just keeping that trend going. I'm sure that Tim Howard is loving it.
0: That should be the new McDonald's slogan. (laughs) Tim Howard, he's loving it. (laughs) (laughs) Very soft-spoken fellow, that Tim Howard. (laughs) He will definitely not be throwing anything in the locker room this year. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So to move on from that, we like to feature our game of the week, and we had some predictions. Um, Our game of the week last week was Philly versus Atlanta. Uh, I was closest on my scoreline call without going over. I had Atlanta winning one, nothing. So in this game that we're going to be playing throughout the season, I get one point for being the closest score there. Uh, we're also going to give Emmett, who again Mm -hmm. is missing on this podcast, a point for, um, saying that Atlanta would go down, uh, initially in this game, so that was kind of a little bonus point thrown his way. So, for the next week, or or for this weekend's upcoming games, our featured game of the week is going to be Dallas versus Colorado. I'll go ahead and start us off with the predictions here. I'm going to say that we're going to see a 2-2 two, two draw, And I'm going to say Kai Kamara scores for Colorado.
3: I will go ahead and follow up your prediction. Uh, Also calling a 2-2 tie. But it is my very specific prediction that someone named Acosta will score a brace.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's so stupid. All right, I don't know what to make of this match. I, I really don't. Uh, FC Dallas is is just really young with a new coach, and Colorado apparently thinks you win games by getting red cards. So um, I'm just going to say this: I'm not going to give a score line. All right, but I am going to say Colorado gets a red card. That's my prediction for the match. So, uh,
2: are bold we strategy. Lie to that? I like <laughs> no, a score. I mean it's a bold strategy, Cotton.
1: You know, that that's a, that's
3: a max point of one, and he cannot score three points.
1: That's fine.
3: In the game we're it. playing, he's shooting for mediocrity the Scroggins
1: way. <laughs> Look, in my life, if I can hit mediocrity, I'm a happy man.
0: That's just sad. All right, Nick, what do you got?
2: <laughs> I'm going with, man, Colorado haven't won a game. They've conceded six in three games. I'm going to say that keeps up. I'm going to give Dallas a 2-0 victory on at least one Acosta goal. Me you're playing at FC Dallas. You're playing in Frisco. I mean, Colorado just looks bad, guys. I don't know what else to put it. Um, in the week of boring games, I have Colorado again beat 2-0 by Dallas.
1: Yeah, this is just a sad week for games. There's,
0: what four It's the matches? worst. There's five matches. We have Dallas v. Colorado, New York versus Orlando, Philly versus Columbus, LAFC versus Real Salt Lake, and New England versus Cincinnati. Not very many strong matches, which unfortunately will just happen sometimes in MLS play. Right. So moving on from there, um, we have our one of our segments. Worst V A R or Worst VAR call again, both are safe on this podcast. Call of the week. So for me, I'm just gonna go ahead and take the lead because I know I'm gonna make everybody angry. I think the Savarino red card is the worst call of the week. All
2: right. Boo. You're Boo. insane. Boo.
0: Look, I'm sorry. Go ahead, defend yourself and then I'm gonna <laughs> destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think at the end of the day, he's clearly not meaning to catch the elbow-high Acosta in the face with his leg. I mean, in reality, his leg is only waist-high. Let's be real. Um, He's not even looking at him. He's in the middle of watching the ball above him and turning around. And so while I can understand... Like, if you're going by pure letter of the law, why it ends up getting called a red card. And I do think, again, we have a little bit of the uh, NFL instant review play here. You know, is there enough to overturn the call? Which I think is something that I personally have underestimated with the implementation of VAR. Um, but I think a yellow is just fine. Like, I don't even really think that Acosta was bleeding. And if he was, it wasn't that bad. Um, And then I got to say, you know, the Toronto knee goal for me. But really, I think the Savarino red card for the RSL game, um, getting sent off versus DC is the worst VAR call of the week. I just want to make sure
3: that I'm understanding you correct. That's the spin kick to the face, correct?
0: Yes.
2: Okay,
3: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, you're wrong. (laughs) Listen. You're just just wrong.
2: I can take that footage of that play, (laughs) take it down to Florida where the WWE developmental is. (laughs) I can show it to the current developmental class and say, guys, this is how you do a super kick, both how you do it and how you sell it. And it would go over great. I would – Triple H would come over himself and shake my hand and say thank you. Because this cannot be more clear. A blatant kick to another man's face. Say what you will about the letter of the law. It is violent conduct. Should not be here. You I have mean, blades on your feet. Get out of here. Red card all day. VAR or not. Yeah, it's grossly
0: on.
3: reckless on. play. Grossly on. reckless.
0: Okay, I'll give you that. Reckless play. Reckless play. But time out. I just want to state, for the record, none of us watch WWE, even though we have mentioned it twice in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's fair. We just have I, approximate it, knowledge of a lot of
1: things. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if if you're going to argue that, that Acosta getting kicked in the face is not a red card— then I'm gonna argue that Mavinga sweeping Bunbury's legs from underneath him is not a PK. I mean, it's just he—he he got ball, man. He got ball.
2: You if know, it's legal Mortal combat, it should be legal.
1: <laughs> I
3: think there's a lot of money to be had in an XFL-style, you know, collaboration with the UFC uh, with MLS, based on the conversation <laughs> I'm hearing from my esteemed colleague, uh, Ian.
2: Yeah. I'm going to say the worst VAR call of the week is Ian making a call <laughs> on this VAR call. That's my final answer.
1: That is the worst VAR call. I second Nick. I think Nick's made the best point of the evening. <laughs> All right, guys. So, what do y'all think? Um, what do y'all think the best goal, worst goal of the, of the week? Oh,
0: competition for worst goal, though. Am I right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so best goal, I think, is the D.C. United game, the corner volley, as I've dubbed it. Rooney to Rodriguez at the top of the 18. Yeah, that was I mean, nice. Just a sweet, sweet volley. Um, I mean, keeper had no chance. Perfect swerve into the side netting. Um, I mean, he's almost, if he picks up that second leg, like he's parallel to the ground midair. Um, I mean, it's just beautiful. Uh, I do want to give minor shout outs to the back heel Cincy goal and the Russell Sporting Casey free kick that uh, was pretty nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to agree with you on, on Lucas Rodriguez's goal um, for best goal. For me, worst goal, worst goal of the week was the New England damp squib of a slow roller like that such a trash goal
2: uh, that may be my vote for worst goal every week <laughs> <laughs> because the amount of low effort that man put into that <laughs> shot i have not that either he's playing with a lot of swagger or he just doesn't care and it, uh, i'm both amused and frustrated that that goal went in i so, think yeah, that would be i am actually, with you
3: uh... A great weekly segment, and this is your weekly reminder that this goal happened in the MLS, <laughs> it, it will never be forgotten.
0: Okay, for the record, my worst goal of the week was Rubio stealing the ball off of Tim Melia after the terrible pass back. What was that defender thinking passing it back to his keeper there? But then, even worse, Melia turning directly into the offensive player and like the ball didn't even like there was no kick (laughs) it just like pinballed in off of them both and then the guy just like ran to the sidelines acting like he had just scored the most amazing goal the Colorado player there um it was just like unbelievable I could like I was like did the ref like blow the whistle and they missed it what happened there it was just crazy to me it was I was like watching um Jake coaching his soccer team or something. It was unbelievable schoolyard league.
1: Dude, I, the first thing I thought when I saw that was not everyone should play like Pep. Like that's, like not everyone should play out of the back. Sometimes you just <laughs> push the ball forward.
2: You just hope it just kick it down the field. <laughs> So, so when
1: i'm when I'm
3: coaching my schoolyard kids, I call that clean, not cutes. And uh, the MLS could use a little bit of clean clearance, not not cute play.
1: I mean, um, dude, was, forgive that we're American and it's all about the hoof and run. I mean, come on, that was that was a uh, that was pretty trash man. That I actually forgot about that one until you mentioned it. that That was a good call for a worse goal, Ian. So I got a second.
0: Second there has to be the Rui Diaz goal as well with the pass back. And Schweinsteiger just like staring at Rui Diaz as he just like effortlessly glides past him. And then the keeper totally messes it up and the ball just kind of goes in the back of the net there too. Very Two very similar goals. But I got to say the Melia rubio skc colorado one was definitely worse.
3: So I think that the slow rolling... New England goal should should really be our uh, our number one worst goal of the week. Uh, indisputable that that was the saddest goal I've ever seen. I think <laughs> an, an honest or a good honorable mention there is the um, Toronto's second goal in the same game, the, the game where technically it may not have been offsides, but it, it just felt cheap watching a guy five yards behind the line. Receive a pass and squared across goal uh, for an easy tap, and that was—that's just a—it y- you don't like seeing it, right? That's that's a the spirit of the offsides law. I feel was broken on that play,
2: if not the letter. I think the last one that should get a call. It's crazy to me how many we could bring up for worst call of the week. <laughs> <That's> pretty bad. <laughs> the Do you last one. We should
3: cover the prem.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The last one that gets a call is Montreal's second goal. The back pass that a Rudy picks up gets demolished by the keeper, and it just dribbles slowly to the middle of the box where Piotti rips it into the net. Oh.
3: So I do have a, one more shout for a for good goal of the week because uh, in the MLS, sometimes good goals happen. Um, <laughs> Specifically, this may have just come from watching all of these bad goals back to back. But I thought that Jordan Morris's goal for Seattle uh, was a thing of beauty from beginning to end. Starts with a pinpoint cross, uh, which Jer- Jordan Morris first controls very well, then perfectly crosses his defender, putting that defender in a really awkward position. If he touches Jordan Morris at all, Jordan Morris goes down in the box for a PK. So the defender actually does very well just to avoid touching him. Um, And then Jordan Morris puts in what I would say is a beautiful, awkward volley past a keeper that couldn't do anything about it. It was a goal that the defense didn't mess up, the keeper didn't mess up. It was just beautiful beginning to end. And I'm sure somewhere Jermaine Jones is still ranting uh, about – Jordan Morris staying in the States. And and I feel that, but man, that goal was nice.
0: So that was our uh, worst VAR, VAR call, best goal, worst goal segment. Uh, I also just want to add a caveat. Uh, Nacho Piotti, any goal that he scores with that hairdo is the worst goal of the week. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll go ahead and move into our segment that we like to call america f yeah america, america. all right <clears throat> so uh in this segment we like to do our best overseas performance uh, specifically for american players um it wasn't a overwhelmingly shining week for american players overseas um they did play some bit part roles though Um, Special shout-out to Cameron Carter-Vickers for Swansea playing against Man City. I think he had a really solid match, um, except for the lack of VAR in that match, which is a whole other conversation. Um, Yedlin and Pulisic both pick up assists for their teams, uh, Newcastle and Dortmund, respectively. And then Novakovic picks up a goal as well. He's kind of a young and -and up-and-coming American forward, been on the roster a couple times recently. So to see him score is a good addition there. As for U.S. men's national team updates, um, first of all, just personally, I want to touch on Zach Steffen, who I feel should be the number one goalkeeper for the U.S. going forwards. For now. He is out. Um, So we have FC Dallas's Jesse Gonzalez stepping in which is a pretty big pickup in terms of stealing a player who has dual nationality. Um, he definitely could make a name for himself in this camp, filling in for Stefan. Uh, we also have a crazy rumor formation change that Burhalter is talking about moving a defensive midfielder in Tyler Adams to right back in his setup and playing DeAndre Yedlin, who's normally a right back in the right midfield-ish position, so it should be interesting. That is definitely something to watch as um, it develops and see how those players adapt to their formation.
2: I will reserve my thoughts on that till the game, because right now I want to yell and scream and fight. But hot take. I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna hold my tongue. I'm gonna I'm gonna give Borhalter a chance. It wasn't my choice for for coach, but I'm gonna give him a chance. We need some change. I'll uh, I'll let him play around with that. I don't think Yevlin good enough at crossing yet. He's gotten a lot better since being under the legendary legendary maestro Rafa. Barthas.
1: Rafa. Um, Look, I I think uh, the. The moving Adams to right back. I don't think that that is. I think it's a non-issue. If you remember the the January camp friendlies, Nick Lima played that right back position and cut in. He was an inverted right back. Mm-hmm. He was some kind of hybrid right back midfielder, right? So I, it's a it's just a non-story. It's a non-issue. That's just how they function in Burholtz rule, uh, um, you know, scheme. And Yedlin, again, like I said with Morris, the the wingers in Burhalter system don't have to cross. That's not their primary job. The primary job is to use their speed to cut in, and that means we could potentially have Morris and Yedlin on the wings. Oh, did Morris get called in this this camp? Yes. Okay, well, then, like, we've got some blazing speed on the wings, and who cares who we put?
3: Weah. <laughs> Wea should be up there. it <laughs> should be up there. Also, something you just said, uh, so we have an inverted right back and a right winger who cuts in. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. So where is the width on the right side coming from?
1: There's not any.
3: That's, I mean, I'm, Okay.
1: I'm just telling you, that's how Burhalter yeah. plays. I mean, so
3: I, I, I trust Burhalter, right? Look. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, like Nick said. Uh, we do have, as American soccer fans, a shared uh, tragedy, a shared experience of watching a manager and Jurgen Klinsmann try and reinvent the wheel with his players, um, <laughs> and so I think a lot of us are feeling a little bit of that. Um, You know PTSD in a sense, uh, seeing someone who's doing so well at at center defensive mid, both in the MLS and even he's gone to Germany, a top five league in the world, and he's covered ground and he's won the ball in a defensive midfield role. Um, And we see a right back in Yedlin who is maybe not setting the world ablaze, but he's facing some of the best uh, attacks in the world week in and week out at right back getting up and down the field, keeping the field wide. So why reinvent that? Um, Perhalter is a better coach than me. So obviously he gets benefited out, but that's, that's where my curiosity and hesitation comes from.
2: Preach it. Cause here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to ask a simple question. Here. How, why reinvent things? You're right, Jake. I'll use Yedlin as an example. Yedlin has played right back against some of the best forwards in the world. Not too long ago. He put on an incredible performance. Man City who has looked unbeatable, unstoppable, held them to a draw, had Leroy Sane in his pocket and Sterling in his pocket, even though they were changing wings constantly, both of them in his pocket. What do you know that Benitez doesn't work like that the Benitez doesn't know working with Yedlin on a day to day basis?
1: You know what I'm saying? I'm just I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's the right call. I'm just saying it's not crazy in his system. the way he had it has it working, okay? That's all I'm saying here. Okay, also you okay. should note Yedlin was a winger at the beginning of his career, right? It was Ziggy Schmidt that moved him to right back. So For why
3: do wingers get moved back to fullback?
1: Because they get old, right? That's what happened to no, be
0: no no <laughs> because they can't hack it at wingers. Look, we all just need to admit that Scroggin is secretly advocating for Jürgen Klinsmann to make a comeback. And let's move on. <laughs> Pretty messed up,
1: Scroggins. <laughs> you can't do that to me. That ain't right, man. Bradley is a 10. Bradley is a 10. No. It's right. not. Oh my god. I want Julian Green. <laughs> oh
0: boy. Julian. Good. good all job, right. Julian. <laughs> So uh, I will add on to this whole Burr-Halter conversation. Um, There was a short interview that Christian Pulisic did. Um, He was very, I guess, uh, what's the word for it? Complimentary towards Burr-Halter, how he conducts himself, how the camp is being run and conducted. So it's good to hear that the players sound and feel like they're being prepped for the matches. Um, Either way, at the end of, not this week, but next week when I go to the game. I hope I'm not uh, Muy Embarazado. Did I say that right, Nick? And Ouch. that we don't get killed by Chile. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one last thing of note for U.S. men's national team is Jason Kreiss of former NYCFC fame and RSL fame,
1: Orlando, now- too.
0: What? Don't forget, he crashed and burned in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, he uh, said oh, yeah. he said fame, not in fame. Not oh,
1: okay.
0: Did crash and burn at Orlando? I, I knew there was something I was missing in there, but um, he is now the U.S. Men's National Team Under 23 coach, which I think is a big um, a big move for the U.S. Men's National Team developmentally. I think that he could definitely uh, he has a style that can bring out the good in these young players and kind of help develop them and shape them into uh, coming into the, the peak men's national team level
1: right now. Any listener that we have that is a fan of Orlando is screaming at whatever they're listening.
3: <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we will have many Orlando or Kansas city listeners at, <laughs> at any point in this podcast.
1: I don't know if I'm, if I'm an Orlando city supporter, I think I'm just, like, crawling under my couch and crying every weekend. Yeah, they just, might
3: just agree with us. They might listen to us and be like, well, someone's saying it. Thank God.
1: I, I'm not a huge fan of this pick. I'm not going to lie. Kreiss, if Frank DeBoer is a bad coach because he hasn't had recent success, then Jason Kreis is a bad coach because he hasn't had recent success. He had
0: one bad season at Orlando. I don't
1: think you can bury him for that. And he did zero in New York.
0: New York was kind of a tough situation, though. That's a brand new team that he was stepping into.
1: Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. <laughs> what <laughs> kind
0: of talent was on Catch that brand Sierra new walked team? Into
1: the same squad and just flipped it and made them a machine. And only recently, under Torrent, have they gone down. Christ couldn't couldn't cut it in Orlando. He couldn't cut it in New York. Basically, without Gareth Lageret as his uh, GM in RSL. He's been trash. So we all know that RSL was propped out by, one, their academy, and, two, Gareth Lagerway making great picks. And that guy's in Seattle now, by the way. That's why Seattle's had some good players come in, too. I think Christ is a bad coach. I'm just going to throw it out there. This is a bad call. We're going to have another year of Olympic embarrassment. It's just going to happen.
3: Yeah, I guess his (laughs) company can't do worse than the last, like, what, two, three guys, so.
1: Yeah, you know, Porter, right? Caleb Porter was last Olympic.
0: Yeah, that oh, didn't go so high. no. Okay, that about wraps it up for us here at the American Faithful Podcast. I'm Ian. I'm Nick. Jake here. Yeah. I'm Scroggins. And as always, stay faithful.